0: Hello everyone and welcome back to the Star Hors podcast, the only podcast whose title prompted my mother to attempt to casually ask me if this was an OnlyFans thing.
1: My name is Sawyer, otherwise known as Sawyerism on TikTok and Instagram. And I'm Hannah, also known as Discount Bo Katan on TikTok. Uh, we are so excited to uh, do this episode for you. Today's topic is representation. And to discuss this with us, with us we have two wonderful guests. Um, why don't you two introduce yourselves, tell us where we can find you, what kind of content you make, and why you love Star Wars. Let's start with you, Josh.
2: Uh, hi, everybody. Thanks for having me on. Uh, it's an absolute pleasure. I love talking with other uh, TikTok creators and people who are passionate about Star Wars. I am Josh, uh, probably better known as uh, Mesa Windu. It's a running joke. Uh, my buddy is the one that came up with the name, but it's, it's good to be here.
3: Yeah, and thanks for having me on. I'm Victoria, and I am Victoria Origana on TikTok and on Instagram. I mostly do cosplay content and just a lot of other Star Wars content, um, so you can find me on there.
0: Yeah, and let us know, what, what is it that you love about Star Wars before we oh, get into the
3: meat? Yes, for sure. Um, just everything. I, I love, the the main thing I love about Star Wars is just the infinite stories that you can tell. Like, always growing up with seeing Leia and Padme on the screens, uh, maybe inspired, but just my love of space. And who doesn't want to fly in a spaceship <laughs> around the galaxy? It's is really why I love it.
1: And what about you, Josh?
2: Uh, pretty much the same thing. Um, Star Wars has been a huge part of my life ever since I was a kid. I've had a lot of different passions and stuff like that, and they take turns, but Star Wars was always the one constant. Um, uh, it just, it always felt the most comfortable thing for me to enjoy. And, and, and I, think, I don't think I'll ever get tired of it as long as I live.
1: I'm definitely the same way. Um, and so, uh, like I briefly mentioned, today's topic is uh, representation, and before we kind of get into the meat of this discussion, I just wanted to take a moment to introduce the topic to our viewers, because I think that this is a very prevalent issue um, in the fandom right now, and in the world in general, and I, I don't think that a lot of people really truly understand what representation is and why it is important. So I want to start there. Um, introducing the topic and uh, just, you know, letting our viewers and anyone who stumbles across this video know why we're talking about this. Um, So
0: I I would say, like, if we would say a little piece about why we think representation matters and how it matters to us, um, for instance, and this is such a tiny, tiny thing, I was automatically more invested in the story if there was a redheaded girl And that's just like the smallest little detail. I worshiped Kim Possible. I loved Ariel. I saw myself in her. And I thought that it was really neat that like there was this character that I was like, hey, she looks like me. Um, And that's that's even as a white woman. So um, that, I guess, for me is my catalyst um, into why this matters so much to me. Um,
3: But yeah. Yeah, for sure um it's it's very different for me um I'm mixed race so my father was Chinese and my mother's white um and I don't see a lot of myself in media and it was only a few years ago and it was actually with the movie to all the boys I've loved before is that I saw myself in media and how much I was missing that um and now everywhere I look in media I I try to find that representation of seeing someone that looks like me or has very shared experiences to me um and that's what really brings me so much passion to this topic
1: yeah absolutely um for me personally I mean I I am a white woman but I am queer and my sister is transgender and that I think in particular um we are severely lacking in this in the world of media in transgender representation and so for mm. me it's really really important that that becomes a normal thing in all entertainment in all parts of life because um, I'm you know my sister's biggest advocate and uh, I think it's just so important that we normalize all of these things because it's I it doesn't it's never made any sense to me as to why that hasn't been the case forever and uh yeah do you have anything to add to that Josh?
2: Oh yeah, um, I'm black. I'm a black man. Um, and Star Wars. When I first got into it, uh, the 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 running jokes of uh, like Samuel Jackson and and Billy Dee Williams are the only two black characters in the Star Wars galaxy. Like that that was kind of like the running joke when I first really started getting into Star Wars. It was Mace Windu and Lando Calrissian, who I think we're talking about it at some point tonight. Um, and so growing up that's what I had to experience. And it wasn't necessarily a negative experience for me. It was kind of just, Oh, like these are the two, they're they're two really cool characters, but those were the only two that I really got to really identify with. Um, And I'll I'll get more into it as we talk about it, but growing up as getting older, seeing people like Finn, um, um, the book characters like Sienna Ree, um, Admiral Sloan, who I'm, I'm not sure if you guys know about those characters, um, seeing that more and more people of color and black people more specifically um, meant a lot to me. And when I have kids, if I have kids one day, uh, it'll mean a lot to them. So, yeah.
1: And that brings me t- to our next question. Just, just letting you know, we do have a fan question sent in to you, Josh, um, from oh. our good friend Darth Choco and he <laughs> would love to know, are you single?
2: Oh my God. <laughs> Look, uh, uh like uh, that's an excellent question. I'll leave you it that <laughs> It's a running gag they they all kind of know the answer
0: <laughs> um so I think that uh, it would be really cool to start this conversation um, uh, to progress uh, progress in this conversation chronologically um, not through the Star Wars universe but through ours um, and how things have progressed over time um, so I would love to start with the original trilogy and a new hope Um which of course has the introduction of our main trio of characters. We've got Luke, Khan and Leia. Um, and I guess Leia in A New Hope in particular is really, she subverts a lot of expectations. And she, you come to her expecting her to be a damsel in distress and then she's the one who's essentially leading the rescue mission, which I thought was a really great and cool thing um, for a female character and as a little girl, um, <laughs> when I was first asked if I wanted to watch Star Wars, I, I was in adamant refusal. It was a boy thing, I didn't want it. I wanted to watch my Barbie movie instead or whatever. And then they said, well, there's a princess. And I was like, okay, bite." <laughs> right. And um, I just fell in love with her from such a young age. But then, um, and I didn't notice this when I was a kid, but it's kind of disappointing to see as an adult, she's so kick-ass in Empire Strikes Back and then in Return of the Jedi, she's kind of relegated. I don't know if anyone else noticed this or this is just something that I'm I've noticed, but she's kind of relegated to like very feminine roles. And she wears princessy dresses and has a teddy bear picnic and has a bikini that she wears and doesn't really have a lot of like power in the story. Um, was the, is that something that like you guys have also noticed with her?
3: yes yeah like
2: yes absolutely
3: yeah okay for sure. yeah I, like seeing leia f- for the first time and especially in a new hope is like she definitely has the the migra- i'm a damsel i'm in distress i got this vibe and like as it just progressed especially um in episode three it's just like a lot of her her story and a lot of drama that's going around her is like han is like i don't know if she's actually in love with luke or with me and it's this love triangle dynamic and this is like where is her just firing at stormtroopers down the hallway like she usually does <laughs> like this is she has her moments of her strong character in it but it it's kind of like washed away by the the bikini and the the the, in the slut hair just slut slayer outfit and nope sorry hot slayer <laughs> 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 i'm sorry i was thinking i was just like misogyny
1: absolutely no reason for it <laughs> um yeah and i think now that you mean you bring up the kind of the obvious thing that would, you know, kind of, you know, would prompt us to even write this into our outline for this is the slave layer thing. Like, I think that most people identify, I think the first thing they would think of is the buns. And the second thing they would think of is the slave outfit, because it's so coveted mostly, mostly by men. Um, you know, that was that was their princess and that's you know what we hear we don't hear these you know uh, you you have to go read bloodline and all of these other parts of star wars media to really get the full effect of who she was um and so yeah hannah absolutely i feel that i mean it's so disappointing it's 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 kind of this like balance because it's amazing that there was a female lead and at the same time it's like Okay, well why no, we don't want this. Mm-hmm. We want you to show us that she's equally as important in destroying the empire, like you know, so yeah, for sure. Yeah. And I think it's partly it's a it's a little
0: bit of a a slap in the face because um well, I'll 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 get into that. I, I think we can get into that a little bit later, but I was gonna say I'll 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 shelve that for a second. Um but then so we've got Leia in a New Hope. She's great, she's cool at that moment in time. Um, and she continues to be cool. It's just, you know, she's she's at her sort of at her prime in A New Hope and Empire Strikes Back. Um, and then in Empire Strikes Back, we have the representation of Lando. So now we've sort of, um, we've moved past this, like this baseline of three white people and one of them is a woman. And now we're starting to get like some people of color into the mix. Um, and we, but, it, but it's like one character. Um, so I've I've sort of noticed, and I don't know if this is, you know, a, a universal thing that you notice, and obviously it's not a hard and fast rule, but that when people are adding things into the soup um, in terms of like representation, um, it's it starts with white women and then men of color and women of color later on, and then queer people and then trans people. Like, it seems like there's this weird hierarchy yeah. um, about, you know, and if you are so lucky, in fact, to get women of color, queer people and trans people. Um, which is, which is such a sort of a, a goofy thing to say that you have to be lucky to get those things in, in media but you know none of those like identities are represented in the Star Wars original trilogy. Um, but I, it, it, there's like a tendency to say you know well we've developed over time but I wanted to hear your thoughts about the fact that Star Trek, which was in the same genre more or less, and a decade earlier, managed to have, you know, um, <laughs> managed to have men of color women of color interracial relationships so i guess my question for you is that um do you like in comparison to the representation in star trek which is i mean more or less trailblazing that trail had already been blazed for george lucas do you think like star wars should have done a better job um of uh putting diverse bodies on their screen and like why do you think george lucas didn't make that a priority
2: um do you think i do you think he should have? Yeah, absolutely. Of course. Um, do I think he, I mean, so I'm not a huge Star Trek fan, but I am aware of the the Sulu Uhara, the first interracial kiss because it was such a massive uh, deal back then. It was very controversial um, because at the time um, cinema, TV, silver screen, big screen was all dominated by, by white men. Um, and to a lesser extent, white women, but mostly white men. Um, Straight white man I should add. Um, and so when that first happened, it was met with shock, um, confusion, um, and then a lot of anger. Um, now, I'm not condoning what George Lucas eventually decided to do, but that's probably why he probably kind of backed off from, from it initially. Because um, maybe initially, including that stuff in, in A New Hope... Um, maybe he was worried about what that kind of response would be. Um, now in the second movie *An empire strikes back, which I consider one of the greatest star Wars movies of all time, um, when Lando does show up, um, absolutely fantastic character, one of my favorite characters. Um, and I think he, I think he did a good job of establishing the fact that, um, that it was okay to be a person of color in the star Wars universe um, and to make him as cool as he was uh, played by Billy D. Williams, who at the time was a very charismatic, very, um, very awesome actor, um, very recognizable, especially in the black community. Um, And so I think George Lucas does deserve some credit for recognizing that um, and recognizing what somebody like Billy D Williams could do for star Wars. Um, And I'm glad that they kind of, Held on to that because Billy Dee Williams was such a good actor, and because he was such a, an awesome person, that they kept that going in Return of the Jedi. Um, but yeah, I I think I think that without condoning it, I think that's probably why George Lucas didn't um, jump on that from the from the very first movie. Um, I think at the time, in probably what the mid to late seventies, I think for the most part, black people had their movies, white people had their movies, um, and I agree with you. Um, uh, Black women have gotten the short end of the stick longer than I can remember. They are consistently near the bottom of the totem pole when it comes to uh, inclusion, um, right, right down there with LGBTQ and and all of that. So, so it's it's refreshing um, to see that finally starting to to be normalized nowadays.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, I think that I, I suppose that the Star Trek question does come from, oh, well, this is sci-fi, you know, like television. Okay. Well, you know, they have to, why didn't the other big Star Wars or sci-fi space stuff do it? But, um, no, that's a really good point that I, you know, I didn't even consider, but, uh, again, not, not a valid reason to do that but it it does make sense um absolutely uh what what do you think about that victoria yeah no it's
3: like especially like being so much earlier and like that trailblazer there was some backlash and i know like growing up i could see the sort of positive effects of that diversity on screen so of course like if in a new hope there's just even more supporting cast of people of color um But it's also like at the like I'm not obviously I'm not condoning of like he was right to do it. But like George Lucas being a white man, his experiences, he saw the world in a very white way. So like if you're not really a person of color, you don't notice the nuances of having people of color in media at the time. Um, So I can totally see why it didn't happen and. I'm very happy that we did get a strong female lead, even if it was an all basically an all white cast and a new hope. But um mm. seeing Lando it too come in and it's just like being this person of color and he was cool. It was it's it was super awesome to see, but uh definitely disappointing. Uh and I I hope it wasn't malicious. <laughs> but um
1: well, I think you, Oh, go ahead, Hannah, if you would. No, 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 no. Yeah, I was done. (laughs) Oh no. I was just gonna say, um I think that is kind of a good segue into the next thing that I wanted to touch upon because Lando is such a phenomenal character, and I'm so glad that those two films were not the last we've seen of him. We've seen him in Rebels, and then of course uh in, in Rise of Skywalker, um and and in Solo, we got we got Donald Glover um as Lando, which I absolutely loved his performance. I don't know if that's a resounding yes from the rest of you, but oh, I thought he, he was, was so good. Hope Donald Glover is the best. <laughs> he's just an iconic character, and you know, it's it's fantastic that George was able to create that space. Um but then we get into the prequels and well there's a lot of aliens but there's also we've got some pretty not so nice stereotyping happening um which we didn't necessarily see in the original trilogy and I'm just kind of you know I want to talk about that but I also kind of want to like what do you guys think was what prompted that what made this guy go yeah that's a great idea um <laughs> And to clarify I think in particular the the the
0: Stereotypes that I've at least seen, Watto, which is space Shylock to me. And as a Jewish person and watching Phantom Menace for the first time when I was not a child, that was immediately apparent to me. Um, mm-hmm. The Gungans, which I've, I've seen widely criticized as like um, purporting some like Caribbean black stereotypes and the Nemoidians who are um, Asian stereotypes. And I think specifically Chinese stereotypes. Um, so I, I was that something that like you I, I don't know when was the first time that you guys watched the prequels for me I was a teenager and I was like more keenly critical of those things. What were those things that like went over your head as a kid or did you sort of know something was up
2: as a kid I yeah, um, I mean you know, you're a kid, everything is fine to you as a kid, (laughs) but um, I didn't really notice anything. It wasn't until I got older where I was kind of like, oh, it kind of, it kind of was in stages for me. At first it was, ah, goofy characters, Jar Jar, Newt Gunray, Watto, haha. And then I was like, oh, they're kind of based off of other cultures when I was about 12 or 13. And I was like, oh, that's really, that's even cooler. Um, And then I got a little bit older and started looking at stuff a little more critically. And I was like, Oh, okay. Yeah. That may not have, may not have been the best way to, yeah. And so it by the time I was like 16, 17, I was like, ah, I see. Um, now I want to say that again, none of, I don't know George Lucas personally, and I don't know what, I can't say that he would never, you know, none of us can say, oh, he would never do that. Um, Cause we don't know, but how I've heard it explained is that <laughs> sounds so bad. How I've heard it explained is that he takes these characters and takes inspiration from other cultures, which is fine by itself, and then he kind of just he wants people to know that it's from that culture and so you I guess over be-
3: exaggeration.
2: And so because of that it's kind of beating you over the head and that nowadays comes across as offensive and so so i don't want to say that my my gut feeling is that this was not done from an area of malice at all um he seems like a decent guy um but yeah yeah that's definitely (laughs) it's it's a little problematic nowadays
1: yeah i think obviously for me as well i was a child you know i I was like a child child Oh. oh go ahead sorry um want to cut you off oh no no you continue oh no okay i was just gonna say you know i was i was what five when revenge of the sith came out so and that those are the films i grew up with i think you know for the most part we you know that those are the films that the four of us grew up with um and so i never yeah i was you know way too old when i realized that these were problems um but there's something it's so interesting that you say that josh because in a way i guess that makes sense because i don't i don't see him as a malicious person but the character designs kind of match these stereotypes Mm -hmm. not kind of they do no they do Uh, (laughs) which makes it in my opinion you know completely inexcusable um but uh i did not mean to cut you off victoria apologize but yeah victoria
0: did you did you want to add anything to
1: that or yeah. Yeah.
3: Sorry. Um, my audio cut out there for a little bit, but okay. yeah, I was just going to say the same. I was about three or four when I first watched at least the Band of Menace right over my head. I I didn't really notice it. And I didn't, I guess I didn't really, obviously when you're being like four years old, you don't say, Hey, this is a negative, like racial stereotype. Um, But going back to what, sort of jossed with these exaggerated stereotypes, uh, like not stereotypes, drawing from different cultures. There's there's a like the line that they crossed that they couldn't get away with when, if it wasn't a, like a live actor. So they removed sort of skin and race and people from it. And they're like, oh, it's all CGI. They might be able to like push these jokes a little bit further. Um, and not to say like drawing from these different cultures and stuff is bad. They did a phenomenal job with Padme's wardrobe. It's a lot of it's Asian inspired, and and they do it really quite well. Um, but it's it's really hard to know where that line is when you don't really have a face to it, uh, especially writing these characters. Like I hope it's not malicious, but we I mean, don't know him, so
1: I think. I think something interesting about that is like it just like you said like you know okay these people they're not humans so we can get away with it more and that to me is kind of a malicious way of thinking uh maybe malicious isn't the right word but that's kind of like okay how can we this this that that makes me think that there were people looking at this going hmm okay well if we do this one way, it's gonna come off wrong. But if we do this other thing, maybe we can get away with it. Like, you know what? You know. What How I'm about saying? we give
0: the alien with the snout a tiny hat and a kind of Hasidic accent, and say we'll just let them fill in the the blanks
3: with that. Right.
1: Yeah. Um, I don't know, but uh, and I think especially at least for me with Watto, um, in particular, you know, he, he is the you know sniveling little you know money-hungry guy and that that is not Jewish culture that is a blatant Jewish stereotype um so I guess for me I'm kind of sitting here wondering like what 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 inspiration was he trying to take there because I I mean I and we might never know but I don't know it's very frustrating to look at uh from the perspective of an adult who grew up loving those films and is now you know having to look very critically and be like wow okay Uh, something's wrong here but I
0: think diverting away a little bit from the you know less happy fun um, (laughs) I sort of representation um, in the prequels um, I think we can change tracks a little bit and let's talk about the people who are part of the main cast um, who are you know Mace Windu and Padme Amidala, who we, you know, again, still, we've yet to have a prominent woman of color in this, in this series at this point. But we do have like a cool lady. um, And we do have um, a black Jedi. And it's like, I guess, sort of new and different that um, now there are, uh, there are lots of different Jedi, and a lot of them are aliens. Um, But um, it's almost like, a message and i don't know if if you would agree with this i i would say that mace windu a little bit is like a message of hey just so that we're clear jedi is not white man luke skywalker always jedi is whoever you may be um did that sort of like was that your experience with um those characters being there
2: yeah absolutely um mace windu in particular um I mean believe it or not he's not my favorite character. The na- the namesake was a joke <laughs> from a long time ago. But um I do I do like the character of Mace Windu. Um and he was kind of the first one he was the first black character I saw after Lando. And so seeing him um was awesome to me. Um and seeing him in such a high position I think too. Mm-hmm um as the grand not the grandmaster what was he um the master of the order which is different from the grandmaster um he pretty much led the jedi council he was the probably second probably most powerful most talented jedi in the order and that told me and told people who looked like me um that you can do that so yeah absolutely it was a very um very very um uh awesome thing to experience um I I'll, I'll tell you this um just real quick to go back to Lando and and then Mace Windu um my grandmother doesn't like anything sci-fi she's not interested in that kind of stuff um the only things she is interested in are big monster movies like Godzilla King Kong um and she got into Empire Strikes Back when she found out that Billy D Williams was in it and so but that <laughs> it, it was funny but it also made me realize like oh dang like that's kind of what representation does cuz like she didn't care. I mean, she didn't really care when she saw Mark Hamill, Harrison Ford and Carrie Fisher running around. But she all of a sudden knew all about Empire Strikes Back when she saw that Billy Dee Williams was in the movie. She was interested in watching the prequel trilogy when she found out that Samuel L. Jackson was in the movie. And so that's kind of what it does for it. So, yeah, it was very huge, very awesome to see more more um, more important uh, black characters show up.
0: Uh, And then to change course and talk a little bit about Padme, I mean, you know, Leia was a senator, um, or I get was she a senator or a representative of the Senate?
2: She was a Senate senator.
0: Senator. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, She, uh, you know, she was a politician. She was in a position of power, but she has this like moniker of princess that's like not necessarily a um, a moniker that we associate with any kind of real power. Um, But then we've got Padme Amidala, and we are introduced to her. First, as an idea, but as, like, a very powerful and, um, you know, uh, morally set in her ways and knows what she's doing queen, um, which is, I-, I think, really cool. Do you, um, do you guys have, like, feelings about how, what it meant to you to see Padme be put in that position?
3: I mean, oh. for me,
1: go ahead, your turn. Oh, first yeah, no, I was time. just gonna say,
3: oh, yeah, like, Padme... Definitely. She, she was so interesting to me and I was obsessed with her as a child, like little three-year-old, for four-year-old me, Padme Amidala for Halloween. I have like, that's like my original doll back from 1999 that I've kept in the box since then. It's like seeing this strong female character in this like awesome Star Wars space action movie, but also with the aspect of her i was also obsessed with fashion so seeing her outfits and seeing her feminine like uh her feminine side and with those outfits but also seeing her be equally as strong and just doing what's right and like just like i'm just using a decoy like <laughs> i'm just going to get this done because i i need to help my people is like it was like a different experience it's, like it gave like a whole different view on like that independence uh, and responsibility but also like I can look good while doing it
1: <laughs> yeah um, I mean and I I was the same way I grew up with Padme I loved her I wanted to be her um, I, it felt really full circle when um, in 2017 I did uh, the lake dress I made it myself um, and that felt full circle because when I was a little kid all I wanted to do is run around dressed up as Padme so um, you know and I think that that is you know, you bring up her femininity and I think that is kind of where she differs from Leia a bit because Leia does have her costumes but they were not nearly as intricate or, you know that was not her focus, but it was important to Padme. That was part of who she was But at the same time, she was also this really strong female character who had a lot of power and did a lot of things for her people and for herself and for what was right. And so I think that that was so important to me and to you guys and so many other little girls who had not had that experience before, um, which I think made it that much disappointing, that much more disappointing, especially for me now as an adult watching the prequel films, to see how they portray her in Revenge of the Sith and this is a criticism that I have given this film and continue you know it it, that is not my favorite Star Wars film by any means for a lot of reasons but I would say one of the strongest reasons is because just like Leia you know we see this amazing strong character put into you know the role of you know a a wife a, a helpless mother type you know yeah she's got a couple of scenes in the senate but it's not quite the same yeah and i think so frequently
0: like um you know masculinity and power are associated together and you know padme is feminine and powerful as we've established but then they sort of veer in like into the trap of we've made her more feminine now she's pregnant now she's dressing extra like beautifully to go to bed, Um, but yet she's kind of had her agency taken away from her. And she kind of exists to be like, um, she's, it almost feels like She's there exclusively to motivate Anakin, and she has nothing to do for herself aside from like brush the very ends of her hair and talk about how she she's excited for her baby. Um, so yeah, that is, that is like really sad to see that pattern repeated, um, almost in the exact same way um, that um, the original trilogy arc for Leia and her like amount, her masculinity to femininity ratio play out um, because. I think that, you know, I I think that Padme is perhaps the most badass in um, Phantom Menace, but also um, she has a lot of like actual physical action uh, um, that, you know, I mean, yes, her shirt gets ripped into a sexy crop top. But like she is, you know, using her smarts and using her gun and fighting off the bad guys Um, in um, uh, episode two. So it's it's almost like they build her up even further while she's having her love story. She is still, you know, being a kick-ass lady, just to sort of like snap snap their fingers and almost get rid of um that role that they had created for
3: her and that
1: space that they had hauled out within the prequels. Yeah, and I think um I, I am sure we're all aware that there is a deleted scene from Revenge of the Sith where Padme. Starts the rebellion and also goes to Mustafar to kill Anakin, right? With a with a she's got a dagger. Is that correct? Really? Yes, yes. it's. Oh, and I, 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 I just, it just found out this that.
2: That's something new for me. Really.
1: If if it wasn't if they didn't film it, it was concept art. There was I think it was have been a concept, art been that, a concept art for that one. To, um, wow. Yeah, no. It's she. I, it, I I think the idea was she didn't go to do that, but she brought it with her, and there is a concept art of her you know, holding the knife up to his throat. Um, Oh, wow. And so that kind of makes me want, that kind of brings up the question um, that, you know, we, first of all, if we didn't know about that scene and those concept arts, do you guys think we would be as disappointed with this, uh, you know, the way that her character arc finishes? I think we would
3: have had we'll have that appointment of like oh we wish we could have had more and especially with like the running joke of she just died from the big sad it's like when she's been this strong character for like the previous two movies and like clone wars and everything it's she's the strong character and then she just she lost the will to live like, we always would know there was something there. There's something missing. But, like, knowing that she could have been the one who started the rebellion with Bail Organa and Mon Mothma, is like, it makes sense. It's in her character. And, like, there was, like, a concrete what could have been. So, like, it's even more disappointing that we know what it could have been. Mm-hmm. But I think we will still have that hole there.
2: I'll tell you guys what. Um, if you guys want... Um... The best version of Revenge of the Sith Padme, I would read the uh, Revenge of the Sith novel, um, which is one of the greatest novelizations, uh, novelization adaptations to a film I've ever had the pleasure of reading. Um, I think every single deleted scene that was filmed is actually done in the novel, including the uh, Delegation of 2000, where... We talked about earlier, it's Padme pretty much planting the seeds of what would eventually become the Rebellion. Um, All of that's in the novel, um, and she has a much more substantial uh, role um, as a character. And so, yeah, I agree. Uh, Even though Revenge of the Sith is one of my favorite Star Wars movies ever, um, (laughs) I'll concede that Padme took a major backseat, which is funny because um, Attack of the Clones is not my favorite Star Wars movie, but Padme probably had I would argue probably had her best movie um probably maybe tied with the Phantom Menace I think she did good in the Phantom Menace too but yeah Attack of the Clones every all the I know the meme the sand and everything but like yeah (laughs) It's hard to get through Attack of the Clones for me. Yeah,
1: you know. I mean, yeah, and that's, <laughs> we all have our differences. No, I mean, I, that's so funny because I said I don't like Revenge of the Sith and I love Attack of the Clones mostly for nostalgic purposes. Um, but no, I mean, and, and we all know from Shaylee's video that, you know, because of what she does in Attack of the Clones, she's the strongest character in all the <laughs> world.
2: <laughs> you weren't viral um, for that. Good for her. Yeah. <laughs> um,
1: but, uh, yeah, no, absolutely. And um i think you know i would have loved to see that be within the film and i think that that would have made for me personally i think it would have made all the difference um especially with like the clone wars she does have some pretty good moments in the clone wars as well where she is doing you know a lot for the people and for you know the republic um uh obviously not so much towards the end but that's when we get into revenge of the sith territory um but yeah, well,
0: speaking of the Clone Wars, I would love to talk about immediately following, um, you know, Revenge of the Sith by a couple of years, we are introduced to a new female character and our first really important female Jedi, um, because there had been like female Jedi in the prequel trilogy, um, but they had like maybe one line in a deleted scene that Shock T had, and um, I think Ayla Secura had a couple of pretty shots, but I don't think she really said anything, we just saw her get Order 66. But now we have like a a female Jedi character who we are meant to specifically care about in Ahsoka, um, who is young, who is not traditionally feminine, and um, who, you know, is like, just just a a cool lady, um, a a cool young lady. Um, So, Watching like that, I don't know when um, you guys started watching uh, uh, The Clone Wars, because I didn't watch it when they initially came out when I was a kid. Um, But, you know, if you were a kid when you saw it, um, what was that like for you guys?
2: I remember my first experience meeting Ahsoka for the very first time. I walked out of uh, the Kiki Palmer. Movie. It was a Kiki Palmer movie. She played, it's based on a true story. She played a, a girl who played football. It was another heartwarming movie. Um, but I was 11, so I didn't really much care for it. So my dad was like, well, why don't you go and check out that Star Wars movie that's out? So I snuck into the other movie theater um, <laughs> right when it started. So I pretty much got to see another movie by myself um and when i first got introduced to ahsoka i hadn't seen her in any of the trailers i couldn't stand her um the first season that came out shortly after the movie i couldn't stand her um i think ahsoka had one of the best comeback stories in my eyes for me uh in star wars history because for the first season or two i didn't really very much like her um and it wasn't necessarily for anything bad i just i just thought she was whiny kind of like anakin um I thought she was annoying, you know, in the eyes of a 12 year old. Um, But then as the seasons, like later seasons came out and she grew as a character, I began to like her a lot. And by the end of the show, um, when it got canceled by Cartoon Network, uh, I adored her. Like when she leaves the Jedi Order, that that that's one of the saddest moments in Star Wars history. And then when we see her again in season seven of the Clone Wars, uh, again one of the saddest moments in history. So yeah, Dave Filoni's baby, uh, his <laughs> uh, she's grown she's grown a lot over the years, and I'm I'm very proud of that character.
3: Yeah, and truthfully, I hadn't been introduced to Ahsoka. Like somehow in my childhood, I just missed. The Clone Wars, and I don't I think it's probably because I didn't have the Cartoon Network growing up.
0: But
3: seeing all my friends on and friends I've been making on TikTok, like they love Ahsoka, and I'm like, okay, I need to learn more about this character. So I started watching Clone Wars, I only got a few seasons in, and I'm not quite finished yet. Um, so I don't know the whole arc and the whole story, but oh,
2: I didn't spoil it for like you, reading more
3: and learning more about her and how. <laughs> I've been on I've been on the internet too long. I'm sorry. <laughs> like,
2: I was like, did I just um, I'm so sorry. <laughs>
3: but, no, no, but reading <laughs> of no. but uh reading about how Dave Filoni wrote her as a Jedi first and then as like a teenage adolescent girl, it it gives a lot more power, I guess, to her characters. Like she is this remarkable young Jedi and not just written as some flouncy bratty like I, of course like she's gonna have bratty moments and she's going to be uh a little bit annoying sometimes because she's a teenager <laughs> but um just learning about that and like the impact that it had on so many of my friends of having this female jedi to connect to growing up uh, and seeing all their halloween costume is just something so special that got to exist and happy they Dave found a way to get Ahsoka Tano even when the whole prequels were established and there was no Ahsoka Tano
1: yeah um for me I actually did not watch the Clone Wars until last year so I was real late to the party even though I've been in the fandom my whole life um and so I did not have the opportunity to I don't I would not consider myself like connected to so I love her. I love her character. I think she's one of the best characters in the entire universe. I just don't have that like personal bond to her that I think a lot of other women do. Um, but I agree she was a bit whiny in the beginning <laughs> um, but then she's not and she's had some of the greatest moments in all of Star Wars. Um, I've yet to read her novel but I intend to do so. Um, And I have just loved pretty much every second past season two of Ahsoka. Um, And I think what's so important about her is that we don't really see... We see her make mistakes because as a Padawan, you make mistakes. But she doesn't really have a moment like Leia or like Padme where her resolve falters or where her agency is taken away from her, which I think is so important when we're talking about, you know, female representation in a male-dominated universe. Um, That being said, a couple of her costumes, especially considering her age, Mm -hmm. (laughs) I don't know Uh, whose idea it was
0: to put the 14-year-old into a tube top and mini skirt riding into battle, but I don't Really see the logic in that, except the only explanation I can think of is like we want to play up that this is a girl Jedi, so she's going to dress like a girl, and this is how girls dress. But it's a little bit like, I was it appropriate to put the like young teen into a more or less revealing outfit of her CGI body, and like was it what was the intention
3: there? Do you think it it feels very much like? video game sort of logic of like the growing up with like the Lara Croft and her her little crop top and this and it's that sexy fighter woman trope but like she's also 14 so it doesn't really makes sense well I'm very glad they changed the costumes when they could but
1: yeah that's I was just gonna say I don't don't know if you've played Kotor but Mission Vow does not look 14 um (laughs) uh so kind of the same way uh but that's another perfect example but um no I, I I wonder like Hannah said is it did they do that because they thought that you know they needed to was that a bit be- like a barrier that they needed to put in place, you know, for, for, for the men to be like, okay, well, she, she is the main character, but don't worry, she's still a female, <laughs> um, which, is, which is quite disappointing. However, I mean, I, 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 we cannot continue this conversation without addressing something that I see every single day, which is why is Ahsoka so loved by fanboys and ray is so so hated
3: yeah i i i still don't quite understand what about ray was so offensive that fans feel the need to like not even to Daisy, it's to other female cosplayers to just constantly put them down about their opinions on Ray. And when I saw today, it's like, oh, it's because she like, oh, Ray wasn't pretty enough, and they didn't even give her eyeliner. And it's just like, why does I that saw matter? That. I saw that. It, and it's it's to see the difference of like everything Luke did in the original trilogy of like his training and defeating the like like Palpatine and everything. It's like, why, why is she getting so criticized when she's debatably had more training <laughs> the entire time? And it's cause she wasn't written for them.
1: <laughs> that's true. I mean, but yeah, I'm just, you know that's a question I do find myself asking all the time. So, I mean, are you, are you, you're you the odd man out here, Josh. Do you have, is there any way you possibly can understand why there's, there's such love for Ahsoka and then you get to Rey and nope, nope. She's a Mary Sue, she can't do any of these things.
2: <laughs> um, it's more than likely a multitude of answers that come together in one answer. Um, I'll tell you, I've argued with um, a lot of toxic uh, members of the members of the Star Wars community. Um, For days on end Uh, It's not a fun conversation to have with them Um, To be perfectly honest with you I guess it's because Rey was center stage As the main character And Ahsoka was more of I mean even though she's like She's kind of like the premier character In Star Wars The Clone Wars She's not like the character I guess you could argue I think another thing that has to do with it Is that uh, it's it's hard uh there's like 18 different answers i mean some people i mean one thing i've noticed and i've said this a lot too but one thing i've really noticed is that people will say i'm not like i don't have a problem with major female characters and then they'll say see ahsoka is my favorite character so i can't obviously be so it's 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 really hard for me to pinpoint exactly where um i'm sure if you ask somebody else they probably have a much better answer but i mean from talking to them it's just it's just going in circles it's like well luke does this too it's like well luke had this well anakin does that too well anakin had this i i had one person tell me i said well i mean you could consider anakin and luke gary Sue's or mary Sue's, however you like to say it um would they be considered that like even anakin who is the chosen one i mean that seems like a that seems like a pretty op thing to have you kind of what do you mean to tell me he's pretty much space jesus I, I, and so and then they'll be like oh well he had the weight of the world on his shoulders it's 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 a never ending battle with them when it comes to that stuff so i don't have a definitive answer i'm still trying to figure it out myself
1: yeah, yeah. um and i think it's something that i've at least come up with um is that Ahsoka seems to kind of be one of the boys <laughs> you know she hangs out with Anakin and Obi-Wan and you know she doesn't I guess she has you know her friendship with Barris, but that's no, you know she's mostly surrounded by male characters and I think that probably has something to do with it um because she is you know her entire life is pretty much surrounded by uh other male characters um But I will never, I don't think I'll ever really come to understand this. Not just for Ray, but, you know, now we're going to get into the sequel era and the just obscene hatred that we've seen. Not only towards Ray but towards Finn, Poe, the actors themselves, and Rose. Rose, Rose. I was getting there, I was getting there. But yeah, (laughs) Rose, of course. And so, uh, yeah, let's open this can of worms now. Um, you know, we can, we've already kind of touched on Rey a bit, but you know, we, in The Force Awakens, what we had, what looked like a female protagonist and, you know, a a black man as a lead character, obviously that's not the way that the sequel trilogy ended up rounding out as, but that is what we got in the first film, um. So, yeah, I'd like to let's talk about Finn a bit. Um, and <laughs> I, I think that he kind of had that same like devolvement, rather of you know, kind of like Leia, you know, strong lead, and then he became the Ray guy,
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, yeah, absolutely. He, Finn, uh, Finn. John Boyega, uh, bless his heart, um, from the very beginning. I mean, can you imagine getting casted, and Kelly Marie Tran too, but can you imagine getting casted, getting to do, getting to be the main character in one of your childhood favorites, uh, probably a life-changing experience. No matter how it turns out, it'll be a life-changing experience. And then getting met with the stuff that, you know, he got met with and Kelly got met with. It. I mean, I remember when the first teaser came out um and i had to regularly field questions and a lot of it was them just being uninformed i mean people just didn't realize that clone troopers weren't stormtroopers i understood <laughs> that a lot of people just it was innocent enough they were like why is it not Tamara morrison it's like they're not they're not clones and he's like oh okay uh, some people kind of took that and they see john boyega in the first teaser and they go why is he so we're doing this force divert that's when like the first like Oh, we're 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 being politically correct now, and the, the main character has to be a black. It's like, and I had to be like, well, why is that a problem? They're like, oh, it's not a problem. It's just you know, of course they're doing that. It's like it's a lot of like half, not so subtle stuff, and and we had to deal with that a lot. I mean, Jumbo Boyega has been open about it. He's gotten a lot of racially motivated comments about him. Um, he's got he's had a lot of people say very nasty things about him. Um. And so, yeah, by the end of the trilogy, a lot of people who originally made those comments like to act like, oh, John Boyega got screwed over and this and that. And then it's like you guys were the ones that kind of set this whole thing off. And I don't know that that's always been an unfortunate story for me to look. I mean, I, I think he mirrors Leia's devolvement perfectly and Padme's devolvement perfectly you know they start off in the first movie introduce them as characters that could be here for the long haul and then the second movie they kind of you know either at least plateau or maybe even dip a little bit and then in the third movie it's just what are you guys doing why why did why even include them at all if you were going to do this you know it's just i don't know and something
0: important. that's so interesting about that is that um john boyega in his that interview that he did he seemed to be like but it's not jj abrams's fault it's not jj abrams's fault it's totally and i i was kind of like well whose
3: fault is it then
0: right
2: right and and mm-hmm. i and and it's that's when you that's the we get into the territory of none of us were there and it's like it's hard to say um i think i mean he he talked about a lot of stuff in and i think the interview you're talking about what was it called uh it was the Verge interview, right? Or was it the, uh, what, what 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 magazine did he do it for? I oh forgot God, what he I did can't for. He, well, was very I open, he was very open and transparent about pretty much his mm-hmm. entire experience. And it was a negative experience. Um, and he talked about how uh, uh, stylists didn't know how to do his hair. And we see that a lot nowadays. Um, stylists didn't know what kind of things he liked to wear, things he was comfortable wearing. Um, A lot of subtle stuff that may not, he acknowledged, he said it probably wasn't on purpose. Um, Daisy Ridley, you know, it's not Daisy Ridley's fault that Ray and this character gets this kind of treatment compared to you know, a black character played by a black man. He said, "It's not her fault. It's not Oscar Isaac's fault. It's not really anybody's fault. But it—it's it, the system that he's in. You know, it's—it's it's the same thing that you say about police brutality. Of course, there are, there are cops that that are good people. But you know, the system itself—it's—it's it's systemic. A lot of the stuff that you look at. Um, and when he was describing it, the funniest part about it was when he was describing the stuff." the entire article, I was like, this is exactly how I feel. This is exactly how I feel about everything. Every last thing that he said, I, even if I hadn't experienced it myself, I've seen it enough to know that he was telling the truth. And it kind of, it, it really upset me. It, it upset me greatly. And I told myself in that moment, I said, if he walks away from Star Wars, then I, I wouldn't blame him for it because to have that experience shattered like that is an absolute travesty. And. I'm glad that he's kind of been so open about it so that more people um, who may one day be in his shoes um, can understand that and go in with those expectations, you know, obviously wanting to have a better experience, but understanding like, Hey, like Disney may be all nice and stuff, but we we don't know whether on purpose or not, what, what happens behind the scenes. So yeah, very, very complicated, very unfortunate. Mm -hmm.
3: And, oh, and I think that that reminded me something that I when I was researching some of these things for this podcast was with the actor who played Jar Jar Banks. He got severely depressed after uh, a lot of the backlash came out with saying like you're perpetuating and you're allowing these negative Caribbean stereotypes of. Of these people of color and it's it was very disheartening for him and it's really he was almost put in like this impossible decision at the times like you're working on this huge franchise it may or make or break your career and then they're getting you to put on very exaggerated accents and stuff and it's like the the treatment of the actors of how it is at the time and it's like at least recently in some of the I forget which article it was in he was had an interview but at least he's talking about it a lot more now of mm. his experience at the time and it's it's very encouraging to see like John Boyega uh and for the life of me I'm forgetting his, his name but um
2: Ahmad Best
3: to speak out on these things so uh, at least it's like But
0: I I will say that I think that John Boyega's interview in particular, I I can't say that this is exactly the reason, but I think it has already affected a lot of positive change because I know that he put a lot on the line to do that interview. And it's obviously not manifested itself in real significant ways. But I will say that um, I'm a drama major. And um, now we are, I don't know if this was like a thing that didn't happen before, but um, as of recently, we are now being taught, hey, as theater makers, these are the things you need to do for your black colleagues. These are the things you need to do for your BIPOC colleagues. You need to, if you are a director, you need to ensure that, you know, the, if there is like a hair and makeup person here, they need to know what they're doing. Um, and you know, like, it's not real change in Hollywood, which is really what I think is most necessary, but it's it's starting to get there. And it's, it's starting to at least be talked about a lot more. And I think that is in large part due to John Boyega um, coming forward and just being so blunt about it. Um, and I know he's not the first um, and I doubt he'll be the last to do that, but um, I it, it, it really, you know, I hope that it does continue to actually um, manifest in more and more ways. Very true. But uh, also um, another, <laughs> fun character that we've got here um or i'm sorry another fun uh development that we've got here and something that is i think sort of overlooked in the overall conversation about star wars is rogue one um and how rogue one had one of the more diverse casts that we've seen in star wars um you know we've got like representation for a lot lots of different ethnicities in the men <laughs> and then in the women, um, there's one white woman and that's about it
2: and she's the main character
0: and she's the she's the second main character
2: yeah.
0: <laughs> that is a woman which is great but they're there they they did so much like you know cool diversity representation in the male characters and then it was like
1: and that's all we got for you <laughs> um yeah and I will say you know it's like you said it it was it it was a very diverse cast except for that it wasn't um in the sense that um and like you said it's quite overlooked like when when Hannah and I were putting this podcast together I didn't even you know I think about Rogue One as you know a great film I, I didn't pay much attention to that aspect of it and it is true we have um you know the first Mexican accent in the Star Wars universe which was a really big deal um, for a lot of people um and you know and then we have um Baze and Chirrut and um Bodhi and uh then we have Jin um (laughs) but I didn't even realize until we had sit down to you know plan this episode out that it was a diverse cast and I think that mainly is because the lead character was still a white woman forget who you know at that point who cares that she's female you know um it, it's we do not see a prominent woman of color until the last jedi and we and we all she's know immediately when... <laughs> relegated to the side mm-hmm. so um I, yeah I, it's almost like i, I don't know it, it... It, it can never be I don't know I don't I don't know it's never good enough you know I yeah. don't know what's There's taken yeah or that
3: can be done and it's like it, it is very disappointing that we don't see like a prominent woman of color till much many movies later but um uh, the one thing that I, like, looking at Chirrut and stuff, I was like, oh, like, oh, these characters and stuff. I know that if my dad was around, he would have loved, loved these characters to see someone like him on screen. But it also reminded me, like, I to- almost totally forgot that we have a blind character in Rogue One, too. Um, which is, I like, I can't think of any sort of main characters in the films, at least for Star Wars. Uh that is blind and not sort of I like obviously I can't speak for the community but he is a very strong character and people aren't babying him or or treating his blindness as sort of a fault so it's it was nice to see that, that sort of uh representation um in Rogue One even though there, there are always there's always more we can do but um it was something interesting for me to know and looking back on it. I'm like, wait a minute. This could have been important for a lot of other people.
0: Yeah. And something that's really cool about star Wars as well um, is that, you know, there, there are a lot of like characters with prosthetic limbs. That is like a staple of star Wars, which is something that we don't really think about when, um, we're thinking disability representation always, um, but I've seen posts about people who, who were like, you know, I had to get my hand amputated. I was so bad, and then I remembered about Luke Skywalker, and then I was okay with it, and um, you know, it's, it's just, like, the problem is that there's not a whole lot of disability representation, um, but, I mean, you know, there, there is, like, that little element and it's so great that that can bring like light and hope to people who are facing that um like disabilities like that um but at the same time i'm like well is it enough can we do more here And we've got kanan who's also
1: blind but that's about where it kind of caps off um and it's not i mean it's not as though kanan you know was born with that disability that is an injury that you know he has to you know it, it's still representation but it isn't quite the same and I think you know quite frankly as an able-bodied individual I didn't even think about that until you brought it up Victoria and I'm so glad you did because it is so important um, and something that you know has even less representation than I would even argue LGBT in the Star Wars universe because we have not even so often we forget how important it is for that representation to exist as well so really thank you for bringing that up because otherwise I would have completely forgotten about it um uh yeah yeah I I I just I mean
0: you know it does it, it isn't like representation in terms of Uh, This character happens to be an amputee, it's always like a plot point, it's always like a a cool ending to a fight to have someone's hand cut off. But you know, I mean, we'll get there, uh, hopefully, Um, but that is something that we're gonna, you know, have to push for a lot more because I feel like disability representation is something we almost forgot about, you know, um, preparing for this episode, which is
1: messed up. That's, that's This is the reason we're having this episode essentially, is because this, this is a conversation that needs to happen every day, quite frankly, uh, until we get it right. Um, right. And I think it's important, too. Like, you brought
3: us along and I think just more voices, the better to get the representation and to get the right perspectives on everything. Like, we won't be able to sort of have a more diverse Star Wars universe in the future with all these projects coming along. If we don't uh, get uh, everyone included in the conversation,
1: mm-hmm. um, yeah, for sure. Um, and, and you know, kind of on the topic of, I did, I did briefly mention the word LGBTQ plus, but I want to talk about that now because. That is, you know, we talked about that tier list and it, it does seem that women of color and LGBTQ is the very bottom, you know, uh, we are. There wasn't a prominent black woman until The Rise of Skywalker that I can
0: name at least. And, and she even was then, a
2: secondary character. Very yeah. secondary.
0: Yeah. And they decided she needed to be related to Lando for whatever reason.
2: Yeah. Oh, did they um, actually confirm that? Or is Yes. That, oh, wow.
3: I, I think
0: so, yeah. I
3: think was I so. Th- so. No, police station.
2: Uh, Maybe yeah. Good old Rise um, of Skywalker.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um yeah no um but but yeah no I, I do want to on on you know in the Rise of Skywalker you know alongside Janna did have a more prominent role than this but in the uh, the Rise of Skywalker had the first gay kiss in Star Wars um, for, you know, two seconds uh, with a character that you would only recognize if you actually appreciate The Last Jedi. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. And um, it's, and the other things, the, the other, the few LGBTQ plus moments, I would almost describe them as, are for the most part in media that has nothing to do with the yep films or the television shows
2: comics and novels
1: um and while i i want to mention them because i think it's the tiniest step in the right direction you know it was nice to have vi marati who is a character who is specifically created for galaxy's edge um she is canonically asexual and that's not a sexuality we see represented pretty much anywhere um so i mean it's it's nice to have that little you know. Tidbit, I guess, and you know, in in Light of the Jedi, that is the Santakas who are you know husband and husband. Uh, but these are tiny little things that you need to be like a diehard fan to even know about. And it, it it's so upsetting, both as a queer woman and uh, at, like I mentioned at the beginning of the episode, you know, having a transgender sister. When when is that going to be okay? Why is it such a big deal that you know two women? who, you know, just won an intense war, you know, kissed each other in the back of the screen, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, and I think, the
3: like, obviously the representation and having that kiss there at all is a big step for Disney, though it's not nearly enough. And I think the addition of, like, even, like, Zori Bliss and feeling the need to give Poe a female past lover felt almost unnecessary like why her why did they be lovers like they could be friends he could have known these people he could have had these relationships with people but why did you have to make it a point to be lovers was it because there was so much fin po shipping was that like we'll take that away and then we'll throw in uh the kiss at the end Like, is that them trying to say, like, here, you can have that representation? Please don't touch our other characters. It's, it almost leaves like a sort of bad taste in my mouth, but it's,
2: it's not lost on me either. That, um,
3: yeah, it's the Rise uh, of Skywalker.
2: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But uh, I mean, the scene where, um, the two are kissing (laughs) at the end, um, it's such a small and inconsequential. In terms of time, scene, um, and it's and it's almost conveniently like that, so that they can then proceed to take that part out, like in certain areas that they they show the movies. I mean, a lot of people complain about that, where they say like, "Oh, like thanks for that five second scene that like isn't a big plot point in the movie, and you made it that so that when it's film when it's shown in China or Indonesia." you can take that out so that they don't see it. I mean, it's not lost on me that that's, that's an, kind of an issue too. Um, and another thing I noticed, um, and I talked about this on TikTok, but another thing I noticed about like representation uh, and, and more specifically queer representation, um, when you see it in like Like, I've had people and some people who I think very highly of, and they talk to me and they tell me, like, oh, like, like, uh, one of the characters in um, Star Wars Squadrons, um, Varco Gray. If you guys have seen the uh, Star Wars Squadrons CGI um, short, it's about six minutes long. Um, the main character, he's he's Asian, um, and he's gay. Um, his bio, um, has him uh, with a husband, um, and I've had people come to me and say, "Did you feel like that was necessary?" And I was like, "So even, <laughs> even with this character, who's not in any of the movies, in any of the shows, he is a he's he's a character in a in a game that we're probably not going to see for a little while. You have something to say about that? You know, it's, so it tells me like, like oh, you're you're mad when it happens on the big screen. You're mad when it happens." in TV, you're mad when it happens in the comics, and you're mad when it happens in a a video game. So it tells me like, oh, well, it's clearly not an issue of, oh, did the plot make sense? You can't, you don't want it anywhere. Does it work anywhere for you? You know what I'm saying? Oh, sorry.
0: No, all right. (laughs) I will say in defense of that kiss moment at the end, as a lesbian watching that, that did make my heart very happy. Um, I know it's small and I know it's inconsequential, but that did bring a smile to my face. It did sure. feel good to see. Um, yeah. And I know that, you know, I mean, there are a lot of children who watch Star Wars who may not even clock that because they're looking for Rey. Um, but it, it, it is nice to know that there is a little something sprinkled in there. And it does feel like they did it just to say that they could. Um, but at the same time, you know, I'm sure that there were people who behind that movie who were really like... I'm sure that, you know, there were some people who were pushing for it for
3: all the right reasons as
2: well. Right. Right. And I and I always try and keep and that. But I in think mind it too. really
3: opens a door too for future content. Like if yeah. they can put it on the big screen, then like it's almost like testing the waters and it's like, yeah, we can do this and I think we might in the future. Like we're gonna right. continue with that representation. Right. God. I did not want to
2: make I didn't want to make it seem like I was you know complaining about you oh. know oh yeah I, I wasn't trying to like give the impression of that I no just...
0: it's not enough oh, no. it's definitely not enough there needs to be more of it um but you know i mean like it is nice that there is a little something there I a agree. little crumb we because we've been conditioned to expect absolutely nothing right. um so it's at least at least there's a bit and there's like this this glimmer
1: of right. of light in the dark And I think also, I had no idea. I have not (laughs) played Squadrons. I knew nothing about it. I had no idea that one of the main characters Mm -hmm. was gay. Um, But there is at least, even though it's not enough, um, for me, you know, to have it just be even sprinkled in there as like a preview of what they can do and have it not be like... Yeah, it was just two people kissing or in that, in the light of the Jedi, just, you know, oh, he and his husband, blah, blah, blah. You know, it's just there. They're just characters in a universe. And mm-hmm. I think that that is a fantastic way, even though it's not enough yet. Like, it, it's just nice to see that it's not framed in a way. Maybe in The Rise of Skywalker, it was kind of like, okay, we can just do this. We don't know. We, we weren't there. Again, <laughs> we weren't there. But um, no, it is kind of nice to see, you know, even though, like it's a small detail it's kind of that in in my eyes um yeah i'm bisexual i'm I'm not um i'm not a lesbian but um i it's nice to just have it feel normal you know when i'm reading or i'm seeing something and it's not they're not making a huge deal like oh my god it's the first gay character it's just like oh yeah this guy he's gay you know
2: (laughs) Mm -hmm. um
1: i would of course like to see a character we've got 10 new shows coming out uh, well, you, one of those characters better be, at least. <laughs> but...
2: I agree. Uh,
1: who mm-hmm. is, who, who
3: yeah, I no, me? I was just going to say... Yeah, I was just going to say it with a uh, similar, like, feeling. It's just, like, they're having it be normal. It's like, in the whole galaxy, why aren't there just more gay and queer couples that we see? And sort of going back, it's just, like, I expect so little like I don't see many Asian women in the media I watch and a lot of like American based shows and stuff until quite recently and it's just like even seeing like yeah Rose is a side character and she gets completely pushed out of the Rise of Skywalker but at least I get one right <laughs> Like it's that like that door is opening and then seeing the Mandalorian Fennec Shand she's an Asian woman I'm like yes like I'm, I'm gonna cosplayer. like I'm like <laughs> just it's like the bare minimum and I'm like thank you like at least you a little bit who knows your motivation but got a little bit in there yeah i think
2: she's that... aging beautifully by the way
1: she's gorgeous Minguang, oh, yeah, yeah. She, she's
2: gorgeous. she's amazing i did not know she was that old i was like wow
1: <laughs> yeah no she's beautiful but and i i a long time ago like in early october i did like a recap episode of the, um of uh, choco's podcast for the mandalorian and he had said to us like what's one thing you wish you could you could change and i was like i want fennec shan to come back and i'm so glad she did (laughs) because what an icon i love her
2: yeah she's a badass
1: and i also i think that um in
0: terms of like very recent representation. I will say this is, and this is such a casual thing. Um, and you know, it. this shouldn't be a big deal. But there was that moment in the finale of the Mandalorian where they like split into teams and all of the girls got grouped into one team. And I didn't even notice it until they were going along the team. They weren't like, ladies, you charm the guards. They were like, okay, our gunners, great. You four, great, go on the ground. And it was <laughs> like, you know, <laughs> Bogdan, well, I mean- Cara Dune, the other Mandalorian chick, and Fennec, and it
1: was like, oh, hey, actually, that's that's kind of sick. <laughs> well, I mean, they were the only Boba didn't go with them. You know, yeah, like it was, a diversion. it was it was Din and a bunch of women, which is fantastic. <laughs> I yeah. loved that scene when they were on the bridge. Um, yeah.
0: Uh, but I think that um we could bring it around to like some final thoughts here and this is a question that i i have for everyone because josh you mentioned um the that people were saying this is forced diversity oh well it's it's just you know it's forced and it's forced do -hmm. we think is there such a thing as forced diversity or is that kind of like a dog whistle for i don't like it because it is diverse
2: so here's how i interpret it um if you if if you mean forced diversity as in my sole purpose for putting this character in this show is so that I can, quote, shut up people who are going to get upset about it. Maybe you could make that argument. But in, in terms of is there actually such a thing as forced diversity, as in putting Black people, Asian, America, Asian people, um, gay, lesbian, asexual, in these stories? No, of course not. The fact that it's even considered that forced diversity um, is insane to me. And so a lot of people who that's why when I hear somebody say, oh, this forced diversity, I take it as a dog whistle, because more often than not, the vast majority of the times that I'm going to hear it, it's going to have that behind it. Oh, uh, this gay person is the main character. Yeah, that's forced diversity. That's what that's that's the sense in which I hear it. And so every time I hear it it's kind of an eye roll for me because I'm like I know what you mean by that it's not what it is I mean if my son or daughter came out as gay to me and a Star Wars character that he or she looked up to was gay I mean that would be huge to me too I mean I'd be very I'd be very proud for her or him and so and so no I don't think there's forced diversity I think it's just I think it's just the act of including everybody because it's about damn time so yeah
3: yeah and yeah and i think on a some or was like i was gonna say on a similar note of like working in technology and knowing about the hiring processes and you get a lot of these these same arguments of people are like oh the diversity hire this and that like why are we doing this and mm-hmm why do they even care about these sort of diversity quizzes on these applications? And like, they're just going to hire me because of this, I'm this race or I'm Asian or they're not going to hire me because I'm not white. It's like, there's always going, like, if we look around the world, there's always going to be diversity. There's diversity all around us and it's only natural. So it's like, just especially sometimes there's the argument of, Oh, I've got to choose the best person for a job. It's just like, there are so many qualified and talented people that are just looked over because of their race. So yeah, maybe they're putting in extra effort, but it's a good thing. But like, Mm -hmm. again, as you said, Josh, it was like the people who use it with a negative connotation, like it, that's just a red flag. Um, But you have to put in the effort and I guess, force a little bit of diversity to actually meet the expectations of the real
1: world because Mm -hmm. it's been the other way for so long absolutely yeah for sure um and i mean we are making progress i mean there's a reason that we did this episode in you know chronological order of when things came out because as time goes on we have seen more of it but we are nowhere near where near where we need to be um in any capacity i think we can all agree on that um and like I mentioned before we've got 10 new shows um at least one new trilogy and some more films we've got all this time and space to be putting these people at the forefront of these stories and so um you know I kind of like to work this question into all of our podcast episodes just because I think it begs it, it it really um shows a lot of you know interesting perspective and kind of tells us a little bit about what you like what you value most in Star Wars but I want to ask both of you you know what would you like to see in these new productions like what do we need to see and what would you like to see if you were in charge of all of this
2: I mean I want I mean I want more black characters like but I mainly want more black women I mean we don't we don't really see that a lot in star wars um and the ones we do see like they're in media that's that like you said only like the super diehard fans would see like nobody outside of the 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 comic book readers and maybe people who played a few games would know who grand admiral ray sloan is um nobody outside of the people who read the books would know who uh um, the characters from Lost Stars are Sienna Ree, I believe her name is one of the greatest mm-hmm. love stories in Star Wars, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. So I want to see that. But like in an environment or, or on a stage where, you know, casual fans can come in and see that, because I think I, mean, I, I think I think it's due, you know, I mean, I want I want my sister. I want my little sister to be able to look at, you know, Star Wars and say, oh, like, I see a lot of myself in her. And a lot, and, and and it's more more than just the inside too. I can, I can be in Star Wars, so that's kind of how I look at it.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure. definitely. I'm super excited and very hopeful, especially with the Mandalorian and Fenix Sham coming back as a big sign of seeing the more women of color, and without it being also like sometimes the storyline with their race and stuff matters but a lot of times like when the galaxy is so big people aren't batting an eyelash at like Twi'leks coming in and out so it's like just to have this casual diversity without us having to say like wow every single time like patting Disney on the head Mm -hmm. Um, especially because we get a lot of the diversity in the complementary media we get the books and we have even a non-binary character in the squadrons game so it's like Mm -hmm. now let's now let's get that in front of people and make people feel accepted
1: and seen in the media in a positive way. Yeah. Do you feel hopeful that those little tidbits that we are getting is a sign of what's to come? I think so. I think so for sure. Um, because they
3: are, I think they're a lot more aware of that something that a lot of fans want. And seeing all of the positive feedback because I know I have a lot of non-binary friends and they were super excited to get a character that wasn't sort of inhuman um, as a non-binary person and it, it's exciting for them and I think Disney's hearing that so I'm very hopeful.
0: Well, thank you guys so much for coming on today and chatting with us. It's really been a pleasure to talk to you guys, get your input on all of this. Um, and, you know,
1: to anyone listening, thank you so much for hanging out with us as well. Um, Josh and Victoria. Yeah, yeah. just real quick, remind us where we can find you so we people who have stuck it out to the end can remember. Yeah, so I am at Victoria Organa
3: on Instagram and on TikTok. So you can find me there uh love to have any conversations uh so feel free to message me
2: uh i'm josh but you can find me on tiktok uh at at mesa windu it's mace a h windu um and i also have a youtube channel where i go a little bit more in depth about um star wars too um but i'm mainly tiktok and it's the same name mesa windu
1: good stuff uh but yeah once again guys thank you so much for joining us um And uh, with that, we bid you and our audience adieu. Thank you for watching Um, and uh, may the force be with you.